This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. It's already Tuesday, and my to-do list is getting longer, not shorter. Do you know what you should do? Burn it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, just do that. And then, <laughs> then it doesn't matter anymore, and you can start again. And if anything's really important, it'll come back and find me. Exactly. Nothing is that important that it can't be burned on the piece of paper. That sounds like a good plan. Unfortunately, my to-do list is inside my notebook, and I wouldn't want to lose one of my notebooks. Don't don't burn that. (laughs) And who are we introducing today? It is my great pleasure to introduce radio show host of Operation Nakatahi and politics, film and media student from Otago, uh, Leo Lablo-Kitty. Leo, what an extraordinary young man you are. Nice to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. And yeah. So where are you, Leo? I am currently in Dunedin. I'm out at Tomahawk, the lovely Tomahawk Beach at my home. And yeah, so. And how was your bubble life? We've been asking everybody on the show how their bubble life was. And now it's gotten complicated, of course. So how was your bubble life last year? Last year? Well, last year I found it a bit more difficult than this year where it was weird having to, because I was in my last year of school last year in lockdown, and I found doing schoolwork online to be quite uh, difficult because it was a lot more regimented and time-constrained than uni is this year. Um, but it was different, and it was weird, and it was a new experience and it was really it was it, even though i had my family around it was quite lonely but i think i think it was quite okay because i lived by the beach and i was able to just go to the beach whenever i wanted to it's just a couple doors down it was uh on my back doorstep and if i needed an escape i was able to do that but like i think that helped with the uh cabin fever of it all and um but yeah it was still quite difficult and it was it was what it was and got used to it pretty quickly and yeah. So how did the the school go, The lo- being locked down at, at school? A- and what happened to your exams? Uh, last year, they, my exams were mostly unaffected because we were in lockdown really early in the year. It was just meant we got lots of weird bonus credit rules and stuff. And it just meant we got pretty much a term off school, which was really weird. And Probably the one year I probably wanted to be at school. It was my last year. It was like, oh, yeah. That happened every other year. It would have been like, oh, school, whatever. But there was something about year 13 that was like, I want to be here because it's about to be over. Like, So 
realistically they just kind of continued the internal learning online but if it happened later in the year i think the exams would have been affected but they were relatively unaffected the exams did you all have to become experts in in, in counting those credits and and how it was how it was affected because it blows my um, mind it blows my mind how much we've turned our generation of learners into credit counters and and how much you have yeah. to be aware of all that sort of stuff but but throw the spanner in the works did it did it all seem to make sense yeah it did mostly like it kind of we got emails all the time yes it probably was over over amount of emails and it kind of got buried which was but we were kept in the loop at least in my sphere i was i don't know what it was like in other schools but i was definitely in the loop all the time yes there was a bit of over emails and it got it kind of became sometimes too much information but it's better than not enough information so i don't know yeah and of course you're going to a really good school yeah so yeah so and back to living by the beach so you you were able to to get out and and have exercise and yeah what was it what was that like well it was just good it was a way it was actually quite previously i didn't really know we only knew a few people in the community but because of lockdown and people were a lot i would say people were a lot better about staying in their communities over lockdown last year than they were this year um but you actually got to work out who was the locals because normally the beach is full (laughs) of everyone from all over the town and in lockdown, you'd have conversations social distance away in lockdown and on the beach because you actually worked out which of the beach girls were actually locals and not well, locals from down the road, not from opposite side of town. So it was quite a, it was quite actually community building, even though it was social distanced and it was a way to just get out, have some exercise, walk the dog, like, and yeah. Did you see any actual sort of community type things in your in? in your community in, in Tomahawk? Is there like a, is there a Tomahawk Facebook group and that sort of stuff? Was that? Yeah, there is the Hawk talk where everyone keeps in the loop. And it's like, uh, if a cat or a dog appears on the road, they snap a photo, send it to each other. Or if something crazy in the wildlife happens, like the other week, we uh, last summer we had um, sea lions swimming in the lagoon and everyone would share those photos around and, and like, and there's the community hall down the road where they do the science testing and water quality stuff. So there isn't like a shop or a located thing. There is a community garden that sometimes happens, but there isn't like, you kind of work out who lives in the community, even though it's not, uh, there aren't specific local events or a local shop where everyone stumbles across each other. It's quite good. Yeah. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have no doubts. It's my life. Why this one? Um, Personally, this was purely a selfish choice because Gwen Stefani is my favourite artist and I love her work in No Doubt as well. And it's just a good, fun uh, jam. It's a cover of the Talk Talk song, It's My Life. Um, But I just, I could have picked any one of hers or No Doubt songs, but I just felt I was in the mood for this one, genuinely, to be honest. And it was just a good, fun vibe. And yeah.
So, Leo, this year, you're at Varsity, Politics and Film. Yep. What led you there? Yep. Why Politics and Film? Well, I've always been interested in um, politics. I've always just kept myself in the loop, and I've always thought, yeah, I'm going to do something with my life in that sphere somewhere along the way. And I just kind of – and then re- genuinely about media and film studies, I – I've always liked TV and film. I've never been a gamer like most of my generation is. I often watch TV, listen to music, that sort of thing. Um, And then I just took, I needed another subject in year 13 and I took media studies and it became my favourite subject. And then I took a couple of papers that are at uni. I went into uni with my major being just politics and I filled the rest up with lots of other papers and it was fortunate enough I took two media papers I was able to pick that up as a major as well so at the end of this year when I was selecting my papers I changed my for, for my papers for next year I changed my major to be a double major between the two because I just found I liked it more and more and I wanted to bring them together and I kind of realized political journalism is the route I want to go down so I put them together as a thing so yeah that's what got me in there <laughs> so you're headed for political journalism what interests you in that? Yeah. Well, I just really like politics and I just find reading news articles interesting, whether I agree with them or not. And also I found myself critiquing it in ways other people don't really care about and in the same way. And that's an, that was an assumption, not saying everyone's like <laughs> that. But um, And and I just, when I, and I've just found myself enjoying my um, broadcasting here on ORFM more and more, and it's just been something that I've just wanted to. It, it started off as a hobby and something fun to do, but then it kind of just became. I don't know what I call it. It's still a volunteer position, so it's not exactly a job, but it's kind of become that for me. It's something I've aspired and brought into my life. It's not just a hobby anymore. It's something that I consider as one of my other jobs. So albeit volunteer, so I don't know. Yeah. And what we find is it's a great excuse to ring up interesting people and have a chat. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So how mm. did that Operation Rakataki come about? Um, yeah. So that, that that's a long, complicated story, but I'll give you the short story. Um, it pretty much started off that my friend Esther, who I used to host um, operate, we, well, Operation Rakatahi with, it was called Operation Rangatahi when I hosted it with her, ended up changing the name because I realised for where we are in New Zealand, I'm using we were using the wrong um, dialect of the word Rakatahi, and that just happened naturally. But um, but when she, but it was before we both hosted the show together. She used to be on another show, and she and her co-host at the time invited me on as a guest and I came on every now and again and it kind of just spawned from that and then she moved on from that show and then it just got to a point where I was like I really enjoyed doing that and then she was like yeah I really enjoyed doing it too but what what happened she moved on from that other show and then we were like why don't we just start our own show together and we started our own show together and that's what Operation Rakatahi became and it just went from there really and then I've been there I start. We started the show in 2018, so it's been a good three three years doing the show now. So, yeah. And, and what's the what's the premise of the show? Um, we talk. 
On Operation Rakadahi, I talk about um, social and political issues that affect youth to create discussion amongst youth, which can range from anything under the sun and realistically, that's politically and socially in mind that, yeah, so it's realistically, it became an outlet to talk about all these issues that I would, we would try and have with ITAC, me and my friend used, we had to try, we had conversations with our peers, but no one was either informed or listening or, and then if they did listen and did talk to us about these things, it became like a realizing thing. So we found actually, it might be good to have these discussions on the radio because it means it opens it up to more people more than we would in our everyday lives. So, yeah. And the, the sessions for all the, the topics for each week, is that about what's going on or have you got a, a, a bigger scheme, a list of topics you're um, trying to get yeah. through? Well, it kind of just happens naturally, more or less. Like there's, it's, I, I always have a list of stuff I want to talk about, but sometimes it's a, world event going on like last week i was talking about the sinking of jakarta and what was happening there and that's kind of more the current affairs route that i talk about and in other places we talk about something that's more social in the community like the discussions that i'd been having with my peers around the term queer and its history and how some older people find it very offensive but it's become uh re re-brought back in to the community and reclaimed and so we talked about those complexities and sometimes we get guests in and we talk about sometimes they can be politicians sometimes they can just be community leaders sometimes they're other peers and we bring their perspective um yeah we have a set of questions that we use as the outro you're going to discover what they are in about half an hour do you have some questions that you ask everybody no um not particularly. It's kind of something that we just, um, realistically, we just really have, we used to, I forgot about this, actually. We realistically adjust our questions for the guests we have and the event and the topics we're talking about because it kind of becomes a topic about the issue at hand and they, they bring their perspective to it, realistically. we I forgot that we used to do this, but we used to always get our guests to do a mehi with us, which which I forgot about, which kind of realist. I just realized it kind of stopped happening when my um, friend moved on from the show and I completely forgot about that, but it's probably going to be fixed now. But <laughs> um, so I don't know, like, but that, yeah, doing the Mahis was the closest thing to that. But realistically, it's we bring them in to talk about these issues. So not really fixed questions in that way. So sorry if that sounded confusing, but. That's all. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Have the you and your guests talked much about COVID? Yes, on and off, quite a bit. Um, we did definitely a lot last year, but we kind of strayed away from that. And if we ever did talk, but the reason why we strayed away from COVID is we felt as though everybody was talking about it. And from talking to my peers, my peers are a bit over talking about COVID. And it was probably one of the only social and political issues that we were all talking about. And I mean, I wasn't forcing upon the conversation in a sort of way. And it almost came to a point where my peers almost felt over it. And like, they would just be, everyone was talking about it. And so whenever we did talk about COVID, it would be maybe a little five minute conversation at the start of our shows now, because we just found people, or at least youth were, we talked about it when we needed to, about when it became 
into our social lives. We kind of strayed away from that. And But yes, we have talked quite a lot about it to the point where we've moved away from that and we do it in small doses. So yeah, it's a weird, complex thing. But um, yeah, we I've started using the show to be focused on less talked about social and political issues because the world is consumed with COVID right now. And it's, yeah, I hope that made sense. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that it's going to leave a fingerprint, maybe a thumbprint on, on the, the careers on your, on, on the perceptions of sort of mindsets of, of today's young people? Do you think that you, you know you're going to be looking back in ten years and think, oh yes, that because that's because we're the the COVID generation? Yeah, um, genuinely, it has become. I wouldn't be able to exactly say how that would affect the future, but I would definitely say it has changed our decision making now. In terms of, we're a lot more skeptical about doing lots of things, and if we do jump into things. We've kind of gotten, like, it really sucked in the beginning, but we've kind of gotten used to COVID letting our plans down. Like, we had so many plans and so many things that we were going to do, and COVID's cancelled them or lots of vast array of things. And it's definitely, and when you're talking about workplaces, I would definitely think that it could definitely, jobs that are affected probably by COVID might not be, it could start seeing less desirable, but at the same time, that's also a place of income. So it's a very complex thing. So I don't know. It's, it's definitely weird and it has definitely shaped the, shaped the conversation and our decision makings. So, and it's almost added a bit of anxiety uh, amongst our life that otherwise wouldn't have been there pre COVID. when we were back in 2019, we were living a bit naive and taking lots of things for granted. And um, so I don't know. It's weird. So, yeah. We hear lots about your generation and the generation a bit older than you not thinking that they're going to have one career, you know, that, that, there's, that no one's headed for mm. a job for life anymore. But that's got an even bigger wrinkle in it at the moment because things like, well, if you're going to head off on an OE – is that actually yeah. going to happen? You, you would have friends who would have intended going off and, yeah. and having a bit of a gap year this year. That's not happening. No, yes. Well, definitely. Like, it just automatically became a no for us in our worlds in 2020. Like, I had so many travel plans, even in 2020 alone, that were scuppered up. And, um, like, it almost became a, oh, well, it's not going to happen. Let's think about it again and have OEs after uni if we can. Um, but literally if it has scuppered up plans, but it's at the same time, it's meant uh, that's probably one of the smaller things that, well, it is a big thing, but it has kind of become one of the things that we can forego. It's just almost the small things that kind of, I feel upset us, but can't happen. Like, I don't know, it's every time a small event that you wanted to do down the road gets canceled because we're at level two. It's, yeah, because it's automatically meant that travel is not a focus in our lives anymore. Because, and if we do, even even domestic travel has become quite problematic as well. Like on and off, whether they can go ahead or not, and like all over the place. So it's definitely been crazy, and it's almost felt as though if you do plan even domestic travel, it's like it's almost pointless booking it so out in advance. You almost have to 
to spur of the moment sort of travel when it's okay like so but even then when you do that it can be quite a lot more expensive so it's kind of a hard one so definitely yeah we had on the show a couple of days ago uh rob england who was talking amongst other things about that we've moving into we have moved into a vuca world volatile uncertain complex ambiguous mm. Do you think that, and and that lots of the things that we have been teaching, conventional ways of thinking, conventional ways of management, conventional ways of 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 um, how we run our systems, just just aren't working? You know, if if you were to be writing a business plan now, you know, or if you had written one two years ago, you certainly wouldn't have said in this year we're going to have a half the year off. I'm wondering if one of the implications or one of the outcomes of this is that your generation, that will be the norm. This has been like a real kickstart to that kind of thinking. Whereas for anyone that's older, yeah. that's a real challenge. Mm. I would say it's definitely created. We don't, looking long term has become pointless. And when we do, we've always just ended up being disappointed because we can't do that and like even stuff that's planned a month out we'd be disappointed like i bought tickets to a concert uh here in dunedin a wee gig that was the group that were coming down from auckland and then well we all know what happened there um and so even then a month out is like an eternity away and you don't know what COVID's going to do and um even when you get it's almost you're looking at a long-term plan is looking at two weeks ahead and even then that can be you're unsure whether that will go ahead so those sorts of things would go ahead so i don't know like it's all a bit messy and we don't know what's happening and definitely that long-term plans aren't really even though they're smarter you can get the ground rolling better they're almost they're a real gamble and you don't know what's going to happen and it's we all thought it would be all right but because and we i think definitely in new zealand we all took at least this year, COVID for granted because we lived so freely and so willy-nilly because we thought, oh, we're the best in the world at this. We're safe from this. We were considered the COVID-free haven for the world. And then the last couple of months have reshaped that opinion and we've definitely almost been brought back down to earth a little bit. So, sorry, I went a bit off topic there. But um, <laughs> so bringing you back to what you were saying, it's definitely shaping what would be considered long-term and short-term plans and it has definitely changed it from our generation in a big way bubble sprite of the forest of orakanui dinning's favorite goddess tahu mckenzie kia ora koutou you're all having this day before superstar and beloved universes and I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey on together, moving to be very reward, very sustaining, and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here making better. Thank you. And I know that for all of us over the last almost two years now, we have been in the constant swirl and roller coaster of this global pandemic. I personally feel we have done incredibly well in traversing and navigating this rushing river of change that has swept through and taken many parts of our life with it. 
However, those parts of our lives that are strongly, deeply rooted could not be swept away and are with us still. And it's so important that we are kind and compassionate to ourselves in mourning the losses that we have suffered, but also feeling that sense of accomplishment and security and the knowledge that we have within us, the immutable, the eternal, the infinite, that stillness which will never change, that all life sprung from, that all life carries within, that connects all life in an infinite web that is co-evolving together so beautifully, so perfectly. We are all learning. And I know that for me at this time, as I gaze out upon the glorious rain-dappled and increasingly rain-soaked Autiportis Dunedin, I have a deep sense of gratitude for my home and my community, my family, my friends, all the love that surrounds me. I'm so grateful. And of course, as I gaze out, I see so many homes. I know that we are all feeling this. Of course, when we can take the time to listen to the rain, hear the beautiful song, hear the beautiful music that falls from the sky to meet the earth, we know that reconnection is always possible. We know that all life moves in cycles and at times we long for the rain to nurture us, to quench us, to cleanse us, to renew us, to rejuvenate us, to release us, to free us, and the rain will always come. I really hope for you at this time, you're finding ways to feel loved and to feel nurtured by the world that surrounds you, even if it is as much as drinking a lovely cool glass of water and knowing that that water has been cycled over and over again for billions of years since war began. And now here you are, able to connect with all the lives that drank that water before you. Every drop of water will move through you and again rejoin that cycle. And in this time of change, when we can at times feel lost in the uncertainty of our human world future, it's so helpful to know and to remember that we have survived so much before and we will survive again that we know we can move through change and that change is all around us. We can feel safe knowing that this is only change and I look forward to talking to you. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Leo Lublo Catty. Leo, um, before you were talking about going into uh, political journalism and it got me thinking, I was... It, I've been thinking a lot about my grandparents and how whenever I stayed at their house, we would sit around the TV at six o'clock and everybody Mm. would watch the news and their view felt like the news um, had this vibe of you have a right to know the truth and so we're going to tell you the truth and you could could hang your hat on that truth. That was real truth. But, Mm. But is that still how you think people see the news? Um. I would say no, because the only, I don't know anyone other than my grandparents and their friends that watch the news every day and live it by law and it's the end of the world if they miss it and they're like, and then it's almost an emergency if they miss it and the end of the world if they miss it on plus one. And then 
Derivates, and then I'm like, why don't you go on demand? And they're like, oh, we only do that on holiday when we have to. <laughs> so it's like almost an end of the world sort of situation. But um, definitely, we don't see it as I. We do see it as truth in some capacity, but we're well aware that what you read on one site to another, and that's that's the difference. There, we're not watching it in the same way we're reading it. Um, because watching the news isn't really a thing. The closest we get is watching Jacinda Ardern press conferences only when she's announcing a big COVID change. So that's the closest I would say we watch to watching news, but it's definitely on our phones and we're really skeptical and we're all like, and we all know it's really whitewashed and that worldwide viewing of it because we're thinking about, well, we're getting like when we, um, talk about it all we're all reading the news and we don't get any of the updates about what's happening in Sudan or even just off our shores that with the constitutional crisis happening in Samoa that was no one was talking about that but a very similar thing was happening in the United States towards the end of Trump's presidency and it was the end of the world that that was happening over there but then yeah and actually it more directly affected New Zealand what was going on in Samoa so it was definitely changed because it's we don't idolize it in the same way when i talk to my grandparents about the news it's not a big part of our lives for me it is because i'm socially aware but i'm the exception rather than the rule but i but even then i don't trust the news as much as they do so it's all a bit it's very different and it's a different environment from the world in that way so yeah one of the things that i ask most about our guests is about this barrier that stands between our young people and their future. So I see it as like a wall and there's a wall called climate, a brick called climate change and a brick called the future of work and a brick called COVID and a brick, you know, like all of these, you know, earthquakes and, you know, everything. There's so much negativity that you guys have to get past to get to your future. How are you maintaining this positive? How are your peers maintaining this positive that keeps you moving forward and overcoming that barrier? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I would say it's, oh, that's a hard one. Um, I would say we genuinely, most for the most part, we almost shut it out in that weird way where it's almost like too much negativity. We don't want to talk about it. Yes, I'm the sort of person that will point it out and, poke holes in what's going on or critique it or find the good in it. But then even then I don't, I'm not prone to do that, but um, it's definitely interesting. We often live in the moment and not think about the world, but then even then it, yeah, that's a hard one. Like (laughs) definitely trying to stay grounded is the sort of thing, hanging out with each other, doing stuff when we can uh, that isn't so, it's more interpersonal rather than global, which is definitely can be hard if you don't keep contact. So it's often found it's often found, especially since leaving school, that keeping in communication with each other is a lot harder because you're not like lumped in the same room every day, all day, every day. And also when everything's so crazy, it's what I think keeps us grounded and happy is probably just being with each other and hanging out and yeah. That's so. beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. So relation, so robust relationships are the key to your resilience. Is that 
that's pretty much what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, long story short. <laughs> yeah. What's the role of positive action? I mean, when you're at school, there was the, the school strikes for climate, and, and, and that was a, mm. a big celebration of doing something. Yeah. Are, are you, a, do you see that as that sort of thing as important? And B, how are you getting that buzz? That's not the word I'm looking for, but it'll do. How are you getting that buzz now? Oh, yeah. Um, especially with – it is important because protest is probably, I would say, the most important democratic um, voice. And I would say it's – I think voting is second on that list. Yes, voting is important and we all should do it. But realistically, not everyone can vote where everyone can protest. So I think that makes it more important and it makes it makes you more exposing and more vulnerable to change and to everything when you protest and so and only do protests at level one that's probably the most important thing (laughs) which but also when you're talking about school strikes climate COVID has definitely done a chokehold to any sort of and killed it off to any sort of protest especially around climate because it was the biggest thing in the world that we'd finally banded together and collectively put our voice together because previously it was more individualistic or small group but it was all of us banding together and then nothing all of 2020 and it's kind of this year it's kind of slowly coming back to the forefront but it's still pretty much dead and it's really sad but how we probably get that voice out there is I could talk for myself about how we do that how I do that where I use my radio show to get those voices out there But in terms of the real wide world, we did have a climate protest this year after almost two years, but it wasn't, I I would say it wasn't as big as some of the ones we had in 2019. And there was plans to do another one, but we're all being plunged back to level two. So that killed all plans for that. Um, But outside of the school strikes, I haven't really, especially since COVID, it's been almost dead. And, I have seen protests on social media, but social media is constructed in a way that it's quite hard to get your voice out there because your feed is only your social media feed is only consumed by what you are interested in. So, and then because that's what the social media giants profit off, they profit off you by giving you something you're interested to keep you interested in the service. So, like if you're not even politically active at all, you're not going to be your feed's not going to be full of that, and if you're and I know when I look at my social media feed, I am quite a liberal leftist. I'm a member of the Green Party and I don't get any uh, opposing views to my own because that's what I am interested in and that's what my feed gets full of. I have to seek out and know what my opponents are thinking and read what they're thinking to reinforce my decision. So it's almost a one-sided view of it all, whereas I know that it will be exactly the same on the other side of the spectrum. and their feeds aren't going to be full of teenagers doing a school strike for climate. So, yeah. Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have Janelle Monet, Tightrope. Why this? Um, I would say Janelle Monet is probably, this is another selfish choice, but it's a bit more politically minded. Um, Janelle Monet is one of my favorite artists and she talks about, she, I would say she's, she is the voice of today in a weird way. This is one of her oldest songs, but 
um, she sings about her blackness and her queerness and being a woman and it almost brings in lots of world issues and regardless of what part of any spectrum you're on you can kind of find something to relate in there and especially if you're politically minded I found I found quite a lot to relate to her in her music through my life experience and this is probably not an example of one of her really good political songs but it's a good vibey She's still singing from that perspective, but I would have picked a better song to exemplify all my thoughts better, but there's lots of swearing in them and they weren't appropriate for this time slot, but I picked a really fun, happy song that is clean and kind of, she still sings from her perspective. It's not as obvious, but it is there. So that is why I chose Tightrope by Janelle Monae.
Neo, we've seen lots of change in society over the past couple of years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Oh, um, well, I hope will stick and what will stick. Um, oh, that's a hard one. Um, I would definitely say not taking everything for granted is something I hope sticks because I personally think pre-COVID we were very – I definitely think that the world has changed in a way, and I think especially this year alone, New Zealand especially, we took everything for granted. And I hope – and I think we've all been brought back down to earth, and I hope that's something that does stick, which I don't think will because as soon as anything's good, we want to gloat about it uh, as a society. And But that's something I want because I feel like it's a time where we've been more – perceptive of others and it's been more of a collective I can't think of the right word but collective wrapping around of each other even though we haven't been allowed to be as social as we previous were but previously were so that would be definitely something I would want to stick in the future and there are probably lots of other things and I could, I'll probably think about them later after I finish <laughs> the show but um, that's something I can think of right now so I'll probably be pinching myself later that I didn't say it, but I'm sure it's there. That's but, all good. Yeah. You were talking about challenges beyond the immediate issue of COVID. And there are lots of things out there that we're always talking about in terms of that big wall. But the, the things like climate change and social justice, um, biodiversity collapse and so on, not wishing to put too much of a dampener on, on enthusiasm – what do you think we can learn from the COVID response for those bigger sorts of questions? Oh, I have a lot there. Um, COVID has definitely taught us that we can act on particular issues in the world immediately. And previously, especially with climate change, it's I feel as though politicians as though have said, oh, good on you, you're protesting, but pretty much wait in line sort of rhetoric it's oh yeah we'll do something about it we'll put a bill through but we all know how fast politics moves it's very slow until there's an election and it's a snap instant change or can be a snap instant change or a snap instant reshuffle um but covid has definitely taught us that we can fast track anything and it can be prioritized because covid the cabinet can have a meeting and then the decision's been made and it's immediately put through and and legislation around covid has been put to the top of the pile and then a week later it's in law like there's all these different things where they're treating climate change as a other issue oh yeah whatever and it almost feels like an issue that we have to wait our turn when we come to power in 30 40 years time to sort out and but then they congratulate us for making our voice and it's almost a bit and if they do do something about it it's very slow and it's very almost ticking points brownie box points and as much as I'm happy this current government has been doing something about it, it hasn't been enough, in my opinion. And But then also, even when they have done that little bit, COVID has taken precipice and shut it out. So it's all very... But I definitely think it's taught us that everything isn't slow. And you, I think it's shown that you politicians can't blame how long stuff takes to not do anything. They can... They've proved with COVID that they can snap their fingers and everything's done. So, yeah. So long as we can avoid them not saying, yes, but we've spent all the money on COVID. Yeah, that's a, another thing. 
But we just need to be on to that one. I have some questions to end the show and not very much time to do it, so we shall have to be quick. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, um, the last couple of years? Okay, I'm not one to talk up myself in this great extravagant way, but personally, I would say my greatest success was winning the Citizenship Award, Special Award at the only one at my school at the end of year 13 and winning that out of everyone. And that has been something that I've carried with me in my stride. And it's nothing else. I'm the only one with the entire school that managed to win that prize. And I don't know, there's just something I've been quite proud of in it. Also, it wasn't just one of my teachers. The other thing that really I was proud about that was it wasn't just one of my teachers choosing it. It was decided across all the teachers and the board, which made me feel a bit more, I don't know. That's probably my greatest accomplishment, in my opinion, of the last two years. Absolutely. Well um, done. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. So you are definitely tomorrow's heroes and today's heroes, for that matter. What's your superpower? Probably talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I could just talk and talk and talk. Um, I don't know. Were you meaning that more subjectively in a fantasy way or in real life? No. If you had said flying, I would have said, I want a real one, please. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I would have said telekinesis if it was a fantastical answer. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I would say talking because I can keep going on and on and on. Do yeah. you consider yourself to be an activist? Yes. I would say I'm definitely an activist. I can be quite useless at it at times but i would i'm quite outspoken and i can definitely talk and um every two weeks i'm using radio as my outlet to do so and so i spend an hour talking and expressing my opinions and opening that up to the world and i'm very talkative in everyday life so yeah i would consider myself an activist so what motivates you what motivates me oh um I don't know just the world is so chaotic and the fact that i and i want to talk about it and the fact that probably i just as much as it can be chaotic at times i just enjoy life and that just and i enjoy what i do and even though it stems from stuff that isn't so great and i'm challenging those stuff that isn't so great and yeah <laughs> i don't know and what challenge or opportunity are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Oh, um, what challenge or opportunity? I think I'm definitely, the only thing I can think of right now is probably doing my last couple of years of uni and doing well at that. It's pretty much where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> Good plan. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Oh, um, I would say just. Don't keep quiet. And if you are being keeping quiet, keep aware of what's going on in the world. Thank you for that. Moira. Leo, it has been absolute joy to listen to you today. And take care. So much positive and good stuff coming from someone who is really young and has every reason to be so cynical. And yet you're not. You're, You're a positive outlook is really encouraging and I hope that you get to share that more and more with your peers and um, that hopefulness yeah. that definitely comes through in your corridor and I just want to say thank you very much for being such a wonderful leader amongst 
um, the people around you. Kia ora, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Thank you, Leo. opening up your wonder to the world. (laughs) When is Operation Rakatahi on, Leo? It is every second Wednesday at 4pm on ORFM, and you can find that if you're not in Dunedin, not in Otago, it's always on the radio station website, uploaded as podcasts. You can find me pretty easily. Probably just Google my name and everything about the radio station will appear. So, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm not the kind of fool who's gonna sit and sing to you about stars, girl. But last night I looked up into the dark half of the blue, and they gone backwards. Something in your magnetism must have pissed them off, forcing them. Conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Alex Turner, Stuck on the Puzzle. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mwira Karatai in Fakatani, and coming from Tomahawk, Dunedin, we've been joined by Leo Lublo Catty. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.